0: Hello, Nathan Foster here, and welcome to the Renovare Weekly Podcast. I've got a special one for you today. Um, Every other month, I write an essay, a heart-to-heart letter, that we post on renovare.org, and then I interview someone around the topic related to that letter. The essay this month is called Lessons from the Trees, and it's looking at things we can learn from trees not just about God, but things about the spiritual life, spiritual formation. So my guest today is uh, Dr. Aaron Wyman, and he's a professor at Spring Arbor University in uh, molecular biology, has his PhD from University of Michigan in uh, molecular and cellular and developmental biology. Uh, I think you'll find he has a, a really bright guy and just kind of locked in all of this uh, kind of scientific information or all these wonderful pictures for us uh, about God and life with God. So as always, thanks for listening and enjoy. You discuss in your document this
1: idea that plants, especially trees, are growing all season. That's not wrong or right. It's, it's based on the type of trees. So for example, gymnosperms, pine trees, they will grow all winter. That is absolutely correct. In fact, there are several species, um, especially those from extreme northern latitudes, northern Quebec, um, uh, the Finland, uh, Norway, where they'll actually show, if anything, potentially greater growth in the "quote unquote" winter than the summer for physiological purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, the citrus trees don't do much of anything in the winter, and there's a distinct reason for that. The energy that they'd expend. Trying to simply move water and, f- and sugars through f- xylem and phloem would be far greater than the amount of growth they could do. So the citrus trees hmm. will go into, say, a stasis from, let's say, let's say here in mid-Michigan, southern Michigan. They're going to say a stasis for, say, the end of November until beginning of March, middle of March. And then when the, quote, unquote, sap run occurs, mm-hmm. they are actively preparing to engage photosynthetic reactions – i.e. generate leaves, capture sunlight, mm-hmm. and at that point, they'll unleash growth. And you're absolutely correct when you say that coming into spring, they will try to explode in growth. The soil could not be softer. Okay. The amount of moisture available could not be greater. The mineral content available to them could not be greater. And the level of competition is much more limited. There are no weeds. Oh. There is no additional... There's no additional competition from other folks like plants or orga- organisms. It's just the trees, and they are going to explode as hard as they can out of the, out of the old racing gate at that point.
0: Right, after they come out of the hibernation. Uh, other they're, other they're... stasis period. Um, would Go ahead. Would um, So the idea that for some trees, winter, they're growing their root system –
1: so, some will, some will certainly try to uh, to grow in the in the preferable winter. They'll, they'll try. Um, it depends on again how quote unquote frozen the ground is. Mm-hmm. Um, deciduous trees don't, they won't do much. They'll they'll will hold themselves. Some conifers, some general will try. Now, let's say you're uh, you're in the American Southwest, okay. okay, where the quote unquote winter is the wet season. Mm-hmm. A mesquite tree at this point will drive their root. And Remember, a mesquite tree root. The taproot itself can be five times longer than what you see above ground. Okay. Literally, in those cases, you're absolutely correct. Those, those sorts of trees, desert trees, um, will send their root as deep as they can during the proverbial winter period. Okay. Um, and in fact, during the summer, they'll stop that process because it's, it's, this, the ground is simply too
0: hard to manage a drill through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the mesquite tree in the wintertime. Digging down, and it's looking for You're Looking for water. water. It's
1: going it's, it's to try and get as deep as it can because the deeper it can go, the easier it is to find an aquifer, especially in, let's say, Arizona, New Mexico, uh, Southern California, Southern Nevada, uh, all of those regions, um, certainly Western Texas. There are huge aquifers, but they're going to be hundreds of feet below ground.
0: What is the root system of a tree compared – Length compared to what we see of the tree above.
1: Again, excellent question. In the case of, of desert uh, desert or what we'll call um, – and a desert could be a – what we think of as a shifting sand desert or anything in the tundra where any moisture is frozen. Mm-hmm. Those are both examples of deserts. The, the root could be upwards of four, five, six times the length as the above ground trunk. Wow. Now, interestingly enough, and this – this ties very nicely to your, your parallel of, of branching out, going to your, your quaking aspen. The quaking aspen isn't going to bother to send their roots more than six to eight feet below ground. Okay. Everything is horizontal. Oh, okay. And so one of the benefits of a quaking aspen grove, uh, from an ecological standpoint, is they're fantastic for holding soil in place because they're no more than two, three, four, maybe six feet down, and they have l- huge numbers of, of branching secondary roots, all of which are making... Tertiary roots, uh-huh. smaller and smaller, all of which are capable of binding soil and holding it in place.
0: Which fits for the climate of uh, in the Rocky Mountains. One hundred percent correct.
1: One hundred percent correct. Uh, sequoia trees, uh-huh. um, for example, the, the sequoia redwoods. One of the things, and it's this is always uh, counterintuitive. If if you ever get a chance, and I certainly encourage all the listeners, ever get a chance, go see a, a redwood or sequoia. It will. It will tell you what God thinks of you um, (laughs) in terms of your importance, your personal importance. Uh, Here's an organism that may weigh by itself 200 to 400 tons or more of actual mass. Uh, An organism that itself may be only 200 years old and yet still be that physically robust, its root system doesn't go more than 10 feet below ground. It it sends everything out. And so one of the things Hmm. that will happen is, is the park rangers will actually get on you. They will yell at you if you try to walk up to a tree. They have you roped off for a reason they 've mapped out where the roots are, mm-hmm. and you can actually do more damage to a redwood by walking basically on its feet uh-huh. than you can climb anything on it, climbing yeah. on it you can set fire to a redwood <laughs> and there 's so much wax so many, so many phenolic waxes in its uh, in its trunk it it won 't burn it 's basically what,
0: fireproof yeah, what it, one of the things i well tell me a little bit about redwoods in terms of the role of fire in the seeds. Excellent, excellent point, Nathan. Um, fire. Uh, Redwoods have have been creative or
1: evolved or whichever one in between you want to get at. The way God intended for it to occur is that as fire comes along, the the cone itself is is oftentimes been released, but the cones stay fused. The waxes within the cones act as a sealant. The fire melts the wax. Okay. And in doing so, opens the pod and releases a seed no larger than a small pebble. Um, imagine a pebble that's made one centimeter by one centimeter by one centimeter. By one centimeter. That's the side of the seed. Uh-huh. That seed is now in an environment where you've cleared away all of the deadwood, all of the weeds, mm-hmm. all of the broken down dead material. Mm-hmm. And now God has provided that seed with a clear opportunity. To start growth in a nutrient-rich environment. Hmm, Because of the fire. Because of the fire. The fire is absolutely essential. Without the fire, in fact, this has been an area of fascinating research, is the seed itself will not open for cold. It will not open for temperature. It will not open for acid and base. You'll actually destroy the seed. It is only through... Heat, extreme heat. Mm-hmm. We're talking about several hundreds, upwards of a couple thousand degrees Fahrenheit. So that the, again, that these phenolic waxes, which are exceptionally robust, um, if you put it on your car, you never have to wax your car again. <laughs> the, the car would actually stop running before you had to wax it again. Those waxes only melt under extreme heat, which occur when these fast-moving, high-intensity blazes. Now, what's interesting is a large number of the trees that the redwood will grow th- with, will grow in concert with. Those are all fire susceptible. They'll burn It'll to the ground. The redwood will not. And so now the redwood's offspring have a clear path
0: to the sky. So the fire then is really the mm-hmm. only way to unlock the seed, the, the new growth. It is the only effective way to do it. way, okay. Yes, absolutely. And, and then in so doing, it, it clears the ground so that this tree now actually has a chance to survive. Correct.
1: And thrive, uh, potentially. Uh, and, yes. And, and they grow so fast compared to their competition. Um, The, the first 15, 20 years of a redwood growth is not that impressive. You're going, okay, great. But after about year 20, they set themselves and they just explode. Mm -hmm. uh, And their growth rate becomes exceptionally impressive. Mm -hmm. Um, And you can see, again, I encourage anyone who gets out to Northern California uh, into those groves.
0: I've seen them. They're
1: fantastic. It is is truly awe-inspiring to recognize that that came from a seed that is one by one by one centimeter. (laughs) You're looking at that going... This made that, yeah. you know, and, and this, and again, the only thing that truly hurts these is their own mass. Um, it, it they, they get so top heavy that at some point, a strong wind or an earthquake uh-huh. or literally their own mass will cause them to tumble. And when they come down, that's actually not a bad thing. It's, you now clear out acres of space for the next round the of next tree. Yeah. Um, one yeah. of the reasons these trees exist, and this again, shows part of, I hate to say man's folly, but let's just go with it. Uh-huh. Um, The trees themselves are valueless for lumber. You can't cut them into any kind of effective board. Um, The boards themselves do not have particularly good tensile strength. Uh They don't bend or they bend too much. It depends on the species. The only thing they're actually good for is sawdust. And so when loggers came through the uh, the upper uh, echelons of California in the late 1800s, they ignored the redwoods. They were valueless for timber, timber, which is why these huge stretches of Hmm. trees still exist is because – they already had sawdust. They had the world supply of sawdust mm-hmm. from every other tree mm-hmm. they cut down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so these, and so when Muir came through, what better background? He had uh-huh. Those are the trees he had left. I mean, it yeah. used to be flippant. Those were all left to take pictures of for the by and large. So he's taking these pictures of these grandiose trees, which have no other conifers around. It's just huh. redwoods and sequoias, uh-huh. which had no inherent value. And it, it created this magne- majestic and magnetic set of photographs that we now consider iconic.
0: Right, right, right. Because of I love this um, I love this image of the role of fire to clear away, but then also unlock new life. Is I mean, forest fires are a natural part of growth.
1: Fire is a necessary component. Of ecological maintenance, okay. the, nat- the National Forest Service, you know, along with the EPA and a number of state and federal authorities, have all argued the problem with fire is fire burns down people's homes. This is one hundred percent accurate. Right. Fires shut down national parks. This is also one percent accurate. But without a consistent fire, the fires that then do ensue consume everything, mm-hmm. it, man-made or otherwise. They they result not just in decimation of mm-hmm. territory, but air pollution, they impact water quality, they impact cattle, they impact Mm -hmm. crops, they Mm -hmm. impact travel, they impact people's lives at exceptionally negative fashions. Again, horrible to lose your home. Mm -hmm. But people who build in these areas are either intentionally ignoring fire or have simply said Mm-hmm. I will live with the consequences.
0: Mm-hmm. But it's, um, but it's a, an absolute yeah, necessary yeah. part of, of new life. And, and
1: going and back to your discussion uh, in mm-hmm. your paper, this is one of the things that, as you indicate, is a problem with, with your own – I say not you, but just a person's own health. If you don't clear out the deadwood, if you don't clear out the waste, if you don't clear out the deleterious material that you generate, uh-huh. when that fire does come, it will consume potentially more than just that. It will oh. consume vast amounts of oh. you. Um, okay. I uh, I will not deny that in my own existence, um, before I met my wife, I walked a a stupid path, uh, frankly a very dumb path, and I allowed deletrius to build up. And huh. thankfully my wife helped clean that up. Otherwise, the fire would have consumed far more than what it may have. Mm-hmm. Um, it mm-hmm. could have been a, a horrific endeavor and of course uh, helped reintroduce me this concept, of, oh yes, Jesus does love me and here's why. <laughs> and I'm mm-hmm. truly totally grateful to her sacrifice, to her willingness to be patient with me on that mm-hmm. regard. Mm-hmm. But that's a reality that we all face is it – both in a living sense and a personal sense, of our walk with Christ. If we don't clear away that that deleterious, that those waste products, in a consistent yearly fashion, or and I use the term yearly just as a time point,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: the fire the firestorm will consume everything. Mm-hmm. So
0: then, when the fire comes, which inevitably comes, it's going to do tremendous damage, yeah. as opposed to its uh, fruitful place we, of clearing things for new m- many
1: of us. Um, Maybe I hope we will remember this last year, there were horrifying uh, uh, firestorms in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And some of the temperatures recorded in those fires were in excess of 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Wow. At that point, um, things don't burn. They combust and explode. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's not just uh, – houses literally explode. Uh, Plastic at that point don't actually just melt. They actually go from a solid to a gas state. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and and And, and – It just builds this force of the fire. You're know, you looking at – it's not just the actual temperature. You're looking at a bubble force of 65 to 100-mile-hour winds that are coming down a a valley. There's nothing to stop that.
0: And this is only really happening because of our efforts to try and keep fire from Our our, our efforts to both
1: prevent fires and to domesticate regions that were not – that God did not mean for us to domesticate as humans. It doesn't mean Mm -hmm. we shouldn't live there. Southern California was not meant to hold 25 million
0: people in those canyons. It just wasn't. Hey, tell me a little bit about uh, tree rings. Yes. And, and I wrote a little bit about how they tell a story of the tree and the environment. Mm-hmm. Um, can you say something about that?
1: Rings are, are much like our own wrinkles. Okay. Some wrinkles are deep and obvious and mm-hmm. other wrinkles aren't so much. And so one of the problems with tree rings in, st- in dendrology is every ring isn't consistent. so a good, healthy year where there's plenty of rain, that that ring is solid. The ring, remember, remember, represents dead tissue, xylary tissue. Xyla, the tissues involved for for transporting water are exceptionally reinforced with lignin and other phenolic waxes. And they Mm -hmm. are great for two things. One, pumping water, moving water. Two, physical support. Uh Uh-huh. And those rings – and the reason those, those rings show up so prominently is because they are so reinforced. They are so, reconstru- uh, so strongly constructed. On years that there's less water, they're even stronger.
0: They're sh- they, they become they, stronger. They become
1: stronger because what ends up happening is, is that the, the rings themselves keep laying, they keep laying down more and more wax.
0: Does, do the years of scarcity create strength for the tree?
1: It depends. That's one of the funny things is, and it is, is that logic dictates that should be the case. and It's not an incorrect – Presumption. Mm-hmm. However, one of the things that happens if there's a heavy amount of water, a large amount of water in the spring. So this last this last spring, not this not what we we're going to, but the previous one, we had a lot of snow. Mm-hmm. We had an honest to goodness midwestern winter.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then we doubled that down. So we had all the snow, it was a gradual melt, and then we had rain.
0: Mm-hmm. If people
1: recall mm-hmm. we actually had a fair amount of rain throughout May. The trees are literally just pumping water and pumping water. In order to do this, they actually get down less wax. They try to get the diameter of that xylem element as big as possible. But as we go from what's called spring wood or early wood, early xylem, into mm-hmm. late wood, summer xylem, mm-hmm. you start to reinforce. So what you can get are scenarios where you get this relatively uh, thin set of straws. Okay next to a set of very thick straws, that can lead to very strong wood mm. because you can get layers of thick, thin, thick, thin. So you actually get some both tensile strength and a little bit of give. Not, we're not talking about – you're not doing a, a, a bendy straw here, mm-hmm. but you're getting mm-hmm. some both physical tensile strength and a little bit of give. What you don't want is all thin or all mm-hmm. thick.
0: So if, if – I mean in one sense, then the different experiences of a tree throughout the years – adds to its longevity and strength. Absolutely. Uh, this is why trees that grow in a, um, a temperate environment, you can,
1: an oak tree can be exceptionally robust because it's going to go through these cycles of feast and famine,
0: uh-huh, where there's uh-huh.
1: more water or less water.
0: Yes.
1: Uh, and, and it depends on, again, when the water comes.
0: Um, I, but- I find that so helpful just in thinking in terms of the Christian life. And we have, you know, we want everything to be good all the time. Um, but that may not be what's best for us. Correct. And these different seasons yeah. have... Uh, the, the
1: seasons have a purpose, both for the tree and, as you argue, for ourselves. For
0: ourselves. Um, that's fun. You you uh, collect seeds. I do. I do, if I collect seeds. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, growing up on a farm
1: in mid-Michigan, uh, I've been around seeds all my life. Um, my... Fortunately, in our family, there are no seed-based allergies. There's no peanut allergies. There's no allergies, any of those kinds <laughs> of things. Um, so we were encouraged to touch anything we got our hands on. Um, one of the things that's fascinating about seeds is not just their color or shape, although that part is interesting. It's the fact that that seed represents a collection of, of information, okay. that all the information necessary to make a functional tree is in that embryo. One of the things I find fascinating about seeds is that you cannot presume that the size of the seed is correlated to the size of the plant. You now, you, many people know what the size of a corn seed looks like, and you have a good idea what that corn plant's gonna look like. Mm-hmm. Redwood seed is 120th the size of that corn, and yet we, we have a pretty good idea of how big a redwood mm-hmm. can get. Mm-hmm. A pine seed, you know, that the squirrels and chipmunks are just fighting over all year round. Mm-hmm. That seed is maybe twice the size of a redwood. And yet look at the, how large the pine tree is in your backyard. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. of course, you know from a, from a maple tree uh, where the helicopters and the whirligigs come flying at you, <laughs> that seed is, again, different shape, different design, different concept. And yet here we have this unique tree. Um, all seeds are unique. And yet they all lead – if we just look at trees, a pine tree looks like a pine tree. Mm-hmm. And an oak looks quite a bit like a maple from just the external purpose. But we know they're not the same. We know they're very different. And in many ways, that's similar to us. Mm-hmm. We all come out of the womb in different sizes and different amounts of hair and different levels of screaming. And then we go from there and we become you – know, on the outset, yeah, we all look somewhat similar. Yet we really are all unique. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
0: Do – as as a scientist, someone who knows, studies these things – what, what type of correlations can you make to uh, plant life, trees, and, and, and God? One of the things that
1: is a fascinating concept about plants, and, and we, we argue as a scientist that plants don't think. And I agree. They don't. They don't think. They react. <laughs> they react okay. to their environment. They, they are not making conscious decisions. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the fact that the plant cannot run from an herbivore, It cannot walk toward water. Mm -hmm. It cannot throw its seeds physically from itself. It cannot pick up a shovel of dirt. It can only work with what God provides it in its environment. Hmm. But that doesn't stop it. In fact, it doesn't even – bother them. If you think about they take a long view. Um, <laughs> w- one of the things, going back to your quaking aspirin analogy, and this is something that has long fascinated me since I probably since I was 14 years old. Uh, we talk about bristlecone pine trees being ancient. Um, if you go to Southern California, bristlecone pines can be found all around San Diego and uh, in, in, uh, in, in Los Angeles. And one of them is called Methuselah, although okay. ironically. It's not even the oldest tree in its grove. This tree, Methuselah itself, is estimated to be somewhere between twelve and maybe 15,000 years old, depending on wow. uh, who you talk to. It, it, it ranges from eight to 12,000 years old.
0: What type of tree is this? It's, is a, it?
1: it's called a bristlecone pine. It's okay. just a conifer. There are groves of quaking aspen around Denver mm-hmm. uh, within a number of natural parks that are estimated to be 80,000 years old.
0: The aspen? The
1: aspen. Because of their ability to clone themselves. Because what this tree has done is hmm. just keeps sending out more and more of itself through branch roots. And so if one of its offspring or one of its ten- tendrils dies, doesn't matter. It's sent out a hundred thousand more. Uh, the tree itself covers over eighty square acres. Okay. So basically a hillside. Yeah. And in fact, one of the interesting things, and this is something that that the university, uh, that Colorado State researchers have looked at, and it's a fun—it's a fun game you can play if you get bored. going in line. and You want something? To look at that doesn't involve <laughs> current popular culture. Um, do a color tour of the aspens. Each aspen, when it undergoes defoliation in the fall, will make its own color. Okay. And so one hill will be orange, and the next hill will be yellow. the Next hill will be tan. Oh, those are different trees. Those are all unique trees. It's, same, it's for the same. That grove is one tree. It's one. Mm. For like a better church, it's one person. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Thousand experiences. Um, mm. that, that that each of those tre- each of those tendrils may have experienced a different scenario on the side of that hill, but they're all part of the same
0: body. Interesting, interesting. And and then together they share the same color. They all they
1: all share the same color because genetically they're identical, but they've all had unique experiences with what's happened in their uh, environment.
0: And eighty thousand years, meaning it's just. It's, Sprouts coming up have come and gone, but it's continued it's that base. Continue the, itself over and over again. One of the um, pieces, just to kind of maybe close things out, the uh, uh, essentially from the tree, life from death. The death of the tree births new life, and in in a sense, it seems to me all throughout creation, the Jesus narrative is playing itself out. New life coming from death. Is that? Inaccurate. I think
1: that would be a, a, f- a absolutely fantastic uh, metaphor. Again, um, if we, we think about the fact that when, when Jesus passed on the cross, there was this shadow, this darkness. Trees will cast shadows. Mm-hmm. And then when they fall over, there will be an empty space that can then be filled again mm-hmm. by the next round of life. And much like when Jesus passed on, that shadow was brief.
0: And then, mm-hmm.
1: and then we saw the light again we, we, and the apostles knew, oh, there's another day. We can do this mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. The beauty of a tree is when a tree passes, yes, it's, it's, it's bad. Sad. I, I remember very clearly um, we <laughs> had to take down a, a diseased tree at my grandfather's place when I was about 25. And it was a sad day. My brother and I openly wept because we, <laughs> we had played in that tree. That tree was our, was our friend. Mm-hmm. But since that tree has come out – Two new trees have spot up in this place. it uh, been 15 years. These are now good-sized, robust maples. And, and in another 10 years, my children will be able to actively mm. climb and, and, and gouge and, and and play around with these trees mm-hmm. and, and jump on these trees and do all kinds of things with the leaves because they 're going to be full robust trees again. Mm-hmm. life begins life um, that 's one of the, the fundamental processes of of the cell theory in fact is that life is continuous from one cell comes another cell
0: mm-hmm. and, and
1: and it just continues down the chain mm-hmm. uh, and
0: from one tree will come another tree it it, it is invariant it will happen yes it oh, 's beautiful. Uh, Aaron, I very much appreciate your your passion and brilliance on all this. Thank you so much, Nathan. I enjoyed being here. Yeah, it's fantastic. Thank you. Awesome.